Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Our topic today of what we want to talk about is we want to talk about, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry that I was wrong. You know, I heard uh, a preacher say that one of the toughest things for a member, for an elder, for a preacher, for a deacon, for their wives, for their kids, for their families, for the church in general. The hardest thing for someone to say is, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, a lot of times uh, when we talk about self-examination, we tend to think about other people a lot, don't we? And so, you know, let's say... You know, you're, you're listening to a sermon about self-examination and uh, you know of somebody or you know of somebody's situation, right? And what's the first thing that you think in your mind? Well, I hope brother so-and-so is listening to this lesson because he, he really needs it, right? I hope brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is listening to this because they, they really need this lesson. And sometimes as preachers, we can we can get caught in that too, <clears throat> But when's the last time during a sermon, which you're supposed to be doing this anyway, when's the last time when you thought about, okay, was I off? I understand. Let's say the other person was wrong. Let's just, let's just give them that. Let's give them that they were wrong. But do you think about you though? Like, okay, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so was wrong, but was I wrong though? That could I have done better? Was I wrong? You see, we tend to look at someone else's wrongs and we heighten it. And not to say that <clears throat> we shouldn't expose sin or not to say we shouldn't deal with sin. Because that there's no, um, what's the right word? There's no, uh, there's no excuse for that. So if there's sin, there's sin. We got to get it out. But in terms of self-examination, do you always look at someone else's life? Do you look at yours, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at two kings. We're going to look at King Nebuchadnezzar, but then we're also going to look at King David. And we're going to kind of see um, their lives. We're going to kind of see their attitudes and we're going to see their hearts. And then we're going to tie it together at the end when we talk about, I'm sorry, I was wrong, right? And so before we keep going, again, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on YouTube and subscribe there. Uh, you can also listen on Twitter and then on the business accounts, you can listen to it on LinkedIn. Uh, just a quick, quick update. I thank you guys so much for your support of the gospel and your support of of, uh, of good messages out there on these podcasts. We've had uh, over 17, 18,000, 1800 uh, downloads. Um, we've had so much exposure. We've had questions asked. We have a lot of things going on and I appreciate your support of the gospel, and let's continue to share. Let's continue to to do the best that we can and continue to learn. So thank you so much. All right, so let, let's get into what we're talking about here. Let's start with, uh, let's go to 2 Samuel. And again, if you're new to this podcast, we use the Bible uh, to answer all of our questions because that's our guide anyway, right? And that's that's what we want to use to help uh, answer all of these questions and all these problems that we deal with here. 2 Samuel chapter 24. All right. And we're going to start in verse number 10. And before we get there, here's what's happening. Apparently, God didn't want David to number the people. 
But David in verse number one through verse number nine, it, it counts him and his captain counting all the people, something that God didn't want done. Now, was it necessarily wrong in principle for David to count the, the people? Well, no, not necessarily, because remember, in the book of Numbers, Moses did the same thing. So it's not necessarily wrong, but his motives for counting the people was different than Moses's motives, right? David's motive was, David was already conquering everything anyway. You see, Moses was counting it just to see where, where they were to delegate uh, certain leaders. But here, David was counting the people so he can get more for himself as king. And then God knew that that would mess with David's heart. That's why he said, look, don't count the, don't count the people. Now, I want you to notice <clears throat> what David says here in verse number 10. Actually, before we get there, here's what one writer said about 2 Samuel 24, 10 in David's heart. David may have forgotten, notice this, that God alone made him great and could preserve him to greatness. And thence he may have longed to reckon upon his forces as though he can he can learn his own security or extend his own kingdom. And so that's why David counted the people. David counted so he can get more for himself as king. Now notice after David does this, he realizes what he does. Watch verse 10. And David's heart, notice, and David's heart smote him. Let's talk about that really quick. Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, in, in certain circumstances, we find ourselves in life. Uh, we're not going to do the right thing. We're just not. Even as Christian people, we're not going to do the right thing, right? But you know one thing that you must have? You must have a soft heart. Well, what, what does that mean? If you're in a situation where you know, man, I could have done better. Like, I know, like, I could have done this. Your heart, if your heart doesn't smote you, well, what does that mean? If your heart is not affected by what you've done, your heart has become callous. And that's what God is trying to protect David's heart from here in 2 Samuel 24. You see, that's why we always talk about self-examination for you as a person. Because, you know, obviously everybody else has got their own problems. But you think about you. How could I have done better? What could I have done? And, you know, you start asking yourself those questions when your heart smotes you. Just like it did David. Notice what it says here. And David's heart smote him after he numbered the people. Then watch this. Then David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly. And what I have done. You remember at the beginning of the podcast. I talked about the hardest thing for someone to say. Is I'm sorry. I was wrong. I could have done better. You know why. People don't say this. It's because they don't want to see them. Their own selves in a bad light. Therefore. If you're not man enough. Or if you're not woman enough. To see yourself in a bad light. Then you're going to be afraid of what other people think of you too. And so then guess what? Then you're not going to do anything. You're not, you, you're going to make an excuse of why you did what you did. Well, I was just trying to, well, I was just trying to be, well, I was just, 
instead of trying to make an excuse of why you did what you did, if you just say what you did, then there's no need for an excuse to say why you did what you did, right? And you see, we have to learn how to be heart examiners, not only for ourselves, but to help our brethren as well. Because we want to guard our hearts from being like Saul, from being like other bad kings, right? But he said, I sin greatly in what I have done. You know, the thing about um, apologizing, the thing about saying that I was wrong, is it takes a... It takes a real sense of humility. Now, there's a difference between real humility and false humility. False humility is just like what Matt, what uh, what Jesus talked about in the book of Matthew, right? The Pharisees and and they do all this and they pray out loud and they pray with such confidence so that everybody knows. Oh, he's so sorry. Look at how he's praying, or look at the stuff that he he's got to be. You see, we could trick everybody else, but we cannot trick God. And, and here's why God is trying to guard David's heart here. Because once you get started on that path, you'll start to see yourself as you can do no wrong. In any situation, you can do no wrong. And that's dangerous. Because if you feel like you can do no wrong, you won't in your mind. Because, well, he was wrong. Then the next situation pops up. Well, he was wrong. The next situation, well, she was wrong. I was right though. I was, you see what I'm saying? You, you gotta watch your heart. That's why in the book of Proverbs, it talks about guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Now let's keep looking at David's heart. I have sinned greatly and that I've done. Now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant. Notice, for I have done very foolishly. When's the last time when you've sinned, you really said, man, I was foolish. I was foolish. I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been acting that way. I was foolish. I shouldn't have been talking that way. I was foolish. I shouldn't have been doing this. When you start to realize that you were a fool, that's how you know you're growing. But here's the flip side of that. If you never see yourself as wrong, you're not growing. You know your heart's wrong. Now, here's the thing about David. And that's why I say God, David was a man after God's own heart. Because did David sin? Yeah. But when David sinned, whether he realized it or someone else told him that he sinned, he, he always repented. Always repented, right? Now, think about you and I. You know, sometimes we're going to get into uh, situations where we didn't do the right thing. But how do you view yourself? Do you do you say it was always the other person's fault? You always say, well, this person said this, this person did this, so that's why I did this. Do you ever take any responsibility for the situation? Here, Here's one thing that I learned. And the old saying always goes, it always takes two to tango, right? So in a situation, everything's not always my fault, but everything's not always your fault either, right? But here's what happens in situations. This party 
that's mad at me will always think it's my fault. And then this side, I will always think it's their fault. And so if I'm always thinking it's their fault, they're always thinking it's my fault. Guess what's never going to happen? Second Samuel verse 24, 10. No one's ever going to say, hold up. I was wrong. Why? Because I'm always looking at what somebody else did wrong. I'm never looking at me. Do you see why the scriptures always say examine yourself? If I'm in a situation that I'm in contention with someone else, if I'm really self-examining me, they're really self-examining them. Guess what's naturally going to happen? Hey, look, I was I was thinking about it and I, I could have done better. I'm sorry I was wrong. Hey, I could have done better. I'm sorry I was wrong too. Why? I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it because I'm self-examining me. They're doing it because they're self-examining them. The next thing you know, then you have natural reconciliation. You see, that's why not a lot of reconciliation happens today in the church. Because no one's really self-examining themselves. We're always sitting here blaming someone else for what they did. And at the same time, justifying why we did what we did. So we don't see ourselves in a bad light. You see why we can't do that? You see why we have to say, look, I was wrong. Now let me warn you. Sometimes when you have a heart like David here, and when you truly have the right heart, when you truly say I was wrong, when you truly repent, sometimes because you have the right heart doesn't mean somebody else will. Let me say that again. Sometimes because you have the right heart doesn't mean somebody else will. So here's here's what we don't do. We don't apologize and we don't humble ourselves to be the bigger man. We don't apologize or we don't humble ourselves to show a false sense of humility. We apologize and we repent and we humble ourselves not because of anything anyone else has done. It's because God wants me to. That's why we do it. If I really love God and I've done wrong and I repent, obviously, yes, you want to be reconciled with your brother, but I want to be reconciled to God. Why wouldn't you either, right? And so do you see why God's trying to guard David's heart here? He's saying, look, David, you're trusting in other things. You're not even trusting in me. David realizes that. Then he says, I have done foolishly, Lord. I was wrong. As a king, I was wrong. And here's. And this is why I'm trying to get this now as a younger preacher, because I don't want to get to the point. And here's what I've seen so much. So many leaders are so afraid of what people are going to think about them that they justify their decisions. So if you're a whatever, right, if you're if you're a leader in the church. And you have done foolishly and you know you have. You know, some leaders will not repent because they're afraid of what people will think. You know, there was a point in time where I was so afraid of what people thought. I was so afraid of what people thought about me. I was so afraid of their opinions about me. I was afraid of... um, I was afraid of how they viewed me, but I had to realize, look, I could do the right thing 
and people will like it or not like it. I can do the wrong thing. People can like it or not like it. But I heard from an instructor a long time ago. It's never right to do wrong. And if you find yourself as a leader justifying your decisions because of what people think, you got a heart problem. Well, Jordan, how can you say that? You're sounding very harsh. Jordan, how can you say that? You're sounding very unloving. I'm saying that because I was there as a leader. You know what I'm saying? Like I was there and I had to realize, do I care more about what my brethren think or do I care more about what God thinks? And you know, here's, here's what it boils down to guys. Repentance and saying I was wrong. It boils down to this. Who do I fear more? Am I more afraid? Like like physical fear, like literally scared, right? Am I physically afraid of what people think about me? Am I physically afraid of what my brethren are going to think about me? Am I physically afraid of what they think and what they say? Am I scared of them? Am I afraid of them? Do they control me? Or do I fear God more? Because here's one thing I understood. People can be mad at me all day. People cannot talk to me all day. People can ignore me all day. And that's something that I just deal with. But I would rather be alone in the desert by myself for the rest of my life. And be pleasing in the sight of God. Than to be thriving with everybody else. Does that make sense? Who do you fear more? Am I more afraid of my brethren? Or am I more afraid of God and what he can do to me? You see that's why some leaders. Some preachers. Some elders. Won't repent. Why? Because I'm scared of the people. I'm afraid. I used to be that way. But, you know, one thing I realize is, you know, when I, when I look through what God can do, just like that, the brethren are nothing, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they could, they could not like you, and that's cool. But I'd rather have my brethren not like me than God not like me. Because my brethren, as much as I love them, they can't judge me. But who can? And when I mean judge, I mean not judge righteously, but I'm talking about God can literally, Jordan, you were you were afraid of them and you didn't stand up for me. Jordan, as an elder, you were afraid of them and you didn't stand up for me. Jordan, as a preacher and a proclaimer of the gospel, you were afraid of the people and you didn't stand up for me. How many examples how many how many examples did I give you? I gave you Job. I gave you the prophets. I gave you Jeremiah. I gave you Hosea. I gave you Daniel. I even gave you my own son. I gave you all these examples of how to be as a leader in my kingdom. Whether it's an elder, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a deacon. I gave you all these examples and you decided not to do what was right because I was scared of what this brother thinks. I was scared of what the church would think of me.
You know what God's going to say? He's going to say, you were afraid of them when you should have been scared of me. You were afraid of them when you should have been scared of me. Well, you don't understand. I could have lost my position. You were afraid of them, but you should have been scared of me. Well, you don't understand. Like I could have. You were afraid of them. And when you should have been scared of me. I don't know you. You you know how scary that is, you know, and especially like it specifically tells elders specifically as a shepherd, you will have to answer to the chief one. What you do. Were you afraid of the people? Is that why you didn't? Were you afraid of what everybody would? Is that why you didn't? Why were you afraid of them? You should have been scared of me. You see, the Lord, you know, you got to come to realize the Lord's not going to take any excuse like we do here. You see what I'm saying? And now, guys, do you understand now why saying I was wrong is not for the other party? Saying I was wrong is for your heart. Even if when you say you're wrong, even if you're not accepted, even if you're not, even if you don't get the same uh, repentance from them to you in return, saying I was wrong isn't for them. Saying you're wrong is for your heart. Saying you're wrong is to keep your heart like God's. Repentance is not for them. It's for God. Do you see why we're talking about this today? I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was wrong. Now notice this. Look at this example. Go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And here in in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he has this dream about this tree and the tree is fair. Uh, But then, you know, the leaves and and the branches are stretching forth, right? And so Daniel interprets the dream and he basically says, King, you know, the the, the tree is you and you're the strongest uh, that there is on the earth right now. But basically, Daniel says, look, you need to acknowledge you gave you this power because it was God. It wasn't you. It wasn't anything that you did. Right. And so notice uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's attitude here. Watch in verse number uh, verse number 30. And the king spake and said, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my power and my majesty? And so look at the attitude. Look at the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. I did all this because it was me. I made all this, right? And then you notice for seven times he's turned into a beast. He, he literally is eating grass, uh, basically like a beast. Notice what he says, and after those days are done, notice verse 37. Actually, uh, notice verse 36. At the time, my reason returned unto me. Let me ask you something. Sometimes when, when we don't repent, or sometimes when we, uh, when we have a false humility, when we kind of politic, we we say it so we can 
just get it out the way, right? When we do that, the Lord sees it. People might. People might not. People probably won't. Lord sees it, though. And you know, sometimes, sometimes your reason won't return to you till you lost something. Sometimes your reason won't return to you unless you lost something. Maybe as a as an elder, you need to lose that position. Maybe as a leader, you need to lose your position. Maybe as a Christian, you need to lose whatever. Because until you lose what you value the most, your reason's not going to return unto you. But Nebuchadnezzar, what did he lose? As a king, you lose that position. You have everything you want, right? The next thing you know, you're literally eating, eating grass. I'd say my reason would return unto me quick too. Sometimes you got to lose some junk. Let me ask something. You lost something lately? Have you lost something lately? Maybe financially? Maybe a position? Maybe a relationship? Whatever, right? You lost something lately? Maybe you lost it so your reason could come back. You know, maybe you lost it because, okay, I was... You know, like uh, like I always say, like, man, I was tripping. Maybe I needed to do this. Maybe I need to do that, right? Maybe you lost something so you can realize what you really lost. So your reason can come back. And that's what happened in Nebuchadnezzar. At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me. And my counselors and my lords sought me. And I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now, after I lost everything, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, extol, and honor the king of heaven. Notice how he acknowledges God now. I ain't nothing. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care who you are. Whether you're a leader in the church, whether you're a leader secularly, you're nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? People got to realize, I think I'm something, I'm squat. I'm nothing. And until you realize, that's what humility is. I heard dad preach that sermon uh, yesterday. Humility is having a correct view of how you see yourself in front of God. I'm nothing. I'm nothing, right? He's king. I'm nothing. All whose works are, are truth. And his ways are judgment. Now watch watch what he's going to do. And those that walk in pride. What is he able to do? He, God, is able to abase. You know why you haven't apologized yet? You know why you haven't said I'm sorry yet? You know why you haven't? repented yet because number one you don't see yourself as wrong number two you care about what people think then number three you might need to lose some stuff the Lord might have to take you in order for your reason to come back 
you may have to go through a period of time. And I don't know how long that will be for you. It's different for everybody. You may have to go through a period of time where you got nothing. You used to be this. Now you got nothing. Lord's going to take away some junk. But instead of complaining, you need to wait till your reason comes back. Isn't that the same thing that happened to the prodigal? He had all this stuff. Next thing you know, he's in the he's in the um in there with the pigs eating slop. You know, the thing about time, I think time is good for people with pride. Why? Because it gives you Here's the thing about conflict. There's always going to be conflict in the church. But I think time, time allows you to think whether the situation was handled correctly or whether the situation was handled incorrectly. No matter if it was handled right or wrong, it was handled, right? So either way, you're out of the situation. So you don't have the instant emotion that you had. You don't have the instant anger. You don't have that. You may think about it, but it's not there like it was in the situation. And so time allows you to sit and think whether it was handled right or wrong. All right. What I do wrong? How could I have done better? Was was I was I for real wrong? Right. It gives you time to think. And so that's why sometimes the Lord's got to take stuff from you so you can get your reason back. Now, I, I'll tell you this, just just to give you an example so you can you can understand. Going through the Memphis School of Preaching and going through any preaching school, if, if I'm being honest, sometimes you have a sense of entitlement. Well, what does that mean? Sometimes you think, well, since I graduated from this school or since I did all this work I'm entitled to be able to to, to get a position somewhere because obviously I, I did everything I was supposed to do right I, I did all this hard work for two years I'm entitled to this position right and so here's what happened for me once I got out the school I thought I was entitled to uh, to work at a congregation right because obviously everybody said I did well at Forest Hill Everybody, everybody uh, said I did well working with the youth there. Everybody said I did well at school and all that stuff. So I guess I'm entitled to work somewhere, right? Lord said, no, I got something else for you. Your heart's not where it needs to be. So did you know when I got back, I went from being the president of my class. I went from uh, being the youth intern. I went from graduating from the Memphis School of Preaching to a wash bay at Enterprise Washing Cars. You know how humbling that was? To know that you can do so much more, but this is where the Lord wants you. You know, I was there for a year. That was my, that was just like Nebuchadnezzar. That was my time. That was my time. Because guess what had to return, man? My reason. It had to return unto me. And I was I was humbled. Financially, I was humbled. 
the career-wise, I was humbled. I was humbled in a lot of ways. But, you know, when the reason returned back, you know you view God different. So think about where you are right now. Maybe you're in that time where the Lord has to return your reason to you. But remember what we're talking about. We're talking about, I'm sorry I was wrong. You don't, you don't repent for other people. You repent to keep your heart soft. That's why you repent. You know, here's the last example, guys. I had a friend of mine from the school. A while back, he called me. And it was like 9 at night or whatever. I was just taking my walk outside. And he called and he was like, hey, bro, can we talk for a second? I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, what's up? And he was like, he's like, dude, like, he said, I wasn't the person I need to be at the school, man. He said, you know, I, I should have did this better. I should have did this better. And I, I could have been so much better, man. And, you know, he said, I, he said, I understand if you view me differently now. He said, I understand if you don't see me the same way that you did. And I was like, dude, like. I view you higher now because of that. And, you know, we talked for like two hours of both of us back and forth. Like, like, bro, we were so foolish. We realized how foolish we were. And I was like, dude, like I was I was wrong, man. Like, you know, I could have done better. I could have been a better example. I was wrong, you know. And, you know, it got to the point we both laughed how foolish we were. And now, you know, we both. It, you see, it it was literally, it was literally a natural reconciliation. I wasn't, I was never mad at him, and he was never mad at me. But at the same time, we both at the same time realized, like, bro, we were stupid. Spiritually, we were stupid, bro, and we could have done better. And both it it strengthened our friendship. You see, that's what that's what true reconciliation does. Because I didn't know he was doing that, but guess what he was doing. He was self-examining himself far away. And guess what I was doing here? I was doing the same thing. Then once he hit me up, I hit him up. Bro, we both self-examined us. Bro, we was wrong. Then guess what relationship is right now with God? Because I realized I was wrong to him. He realized that he was wrong to God. Now, all right, now we're cool. You see what I'm saying? That's the type of stuff that we need to get back to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I encourage you today, like, do what you got to do, man. Like, whether it's calling somebody up, whether it's repenting to the Lord, whether it's you may have to lose something. Maybe you have to lose a position. Maybe you have to do it. I'm telling you, do it. Because you'd rather have God love you. And your brethren hate you. I'd have that 100 times out of 100 times. All day. Because you got to care more about what God thinks. Than what people think. And I hope today that. We all can have the right type of heart. And we can guard our hearts. With all diligence. Thanks guys.